Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to This Week in Caribbean Tech. Um, it's, of course, the weekly, sometimes bi-weekly <laughs> podcast that pretty much brings you the what we call, we curate and we also originate some of the top Caribbean tech news, um, especially around startups and fintech and e-commerce and such interesting things. And we serve them up to you with unfiltered insights into the people and the businesses and all the trends that's driving all of that. Uh, my name is Ingrid Riley, and I'm the founder, they say, of Silicon Carib. And of course, he's still, again, in his national colors. Introduce yourself, sir. <laughs> I'm Daniel Smith, co-host of this podcast. Uh, and I'm the founder of Keeping Lee. All right. So what's been going on? You look tired. Um, look as if we've both been. You see, this is what happens when you know you have a podcast that is run by two entrepreneurs that are at the very interesting stages of their um, development. So you tired? Uh, <laughs> I I am like you know after this podcast, I'm gonna go sip a glass of wine and watch finish watching Hassan Minaj's. Netflix thing so I can do some laughing and I'm going to put my laptop in a drawer till tomorrow. <laughs> I, I thought that you were going to say, well, I'm going to put my laptop in a drawer for the rest of the week. Oh, uh, how, how I wish. <laughs> oh, how I wish. But I'm counting down to, to Christmas. Christmas, like as, as well, pretty much like most of the world, two weeks before um, you know, the end of the year, two or three weeks, everybody starts to like wah, 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 power down, right? And so I'm just saying, I'm just gonna keep going, and then I will be definitely for Christmas and for New Year's. But yeah, but here you we know, go. You said Christmas though, and and in my mind, I'm thinking that feels like still three months away. Oh, uh, you, you know, you know, the, are we there yet? <laughs> <That's not laughs> But anyway, we, oh gosh, yes. we, we, anyway, we need to be grateful. We're doing the thing that we love to do. Um, we love to talk about. And so let's jump right into it and just have some fun. So yes. it's, it's been an interesting week. Lots of interesting things popping out in, in the Caribbean for sure. And first up is that we have a new startup accelerator in the region. So Crypto Isle, Canoe Pays, and Draper University just launched Canoe Innovation Hub. And so what they're basically going to be doing um, is that they're going to be focusing on entrepreneurs and startups in the Web3, blockchain, and crypto space. And so they're going to find them, facilitate them, and fund them. So this is interesting for me because I know the ladies who... Um, founded Crypto Isle. Um, that's where we had Silicon Creek Future of Caribbean Money conference last December. So, you know, Crypto Isle is founded by two women, Davinia Bain and, um, okay, that's really not, that's good. Okay, my brain, I'm, we're not, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to say your name. Don't kill me. <laughs> Do not kill me. All right, let me go Google it right now. But anyway, so it's founded by Jillian Bethel. 
her name popped into my, her face popped into my head because I'm very visual. And then the name popped in right after. So Davinia Bain and um, Dr. Jillian Bethel are the co-founders of Crypto Isle. Um, Kanu Pei is headed by Nicholas Weiss. Um, Draper University, of course, is part of the whole Draper startup ecosystem by Tim Draper, the billionaire himself, who, of course, Draper Startup House have just entered the region as well. So very interesting times that Crypto Isle has brought together Candle Pays, which is one of the leading digital wallet fintech companies in the region. They've come together with Draper University to form this startup accelerator around Web3 blockchain and thing there. What are your thoughts there, Daniel? When you yeah, I think, what do you thought? I, I think that it's it's very it's a very interesting development considering <laughs> um, you know all the conversations that we've had around blockchain, yeah. uh, Web 3.0 and, you know, uh, crypto. Yeah. Um, so it, I do think that it does augur well for just, you know, where the ecosystem can go and what are the possibilities. Mm. I'd love to see who are some of the companies, you know, in that first uh, cohort first to batch. understand. Yeah, exactly where they, they're thinking of going and how they what they want the results to be. But I think it's it's a it's exciting times. I know you would love this, you know, um, and you you must be, you know, jumping for joy at this moment because yeah, at least, you know, it's it's crypto in the region, it's going uh and to, and I'm sure I'm gonna see some NFT stuff inside of there too. Absolutely. Um Absolutely. and so it's it's a good moment. I think that. Yeah. I want to see who are the players and, and what. I think that for me would help, you know, really crystallize, okay, what are the opportunities and especially, you know, details around how much money they're given, which is, which is also uh, part of those. I don't hear what they're giving, but they, they have a, they have a three. Investing. They have a they have a three prong program. You can get in on the ground floor um, for five hundred dollars, which is like the starter program, like the pre pre, and then mm -hmm. the, the the pre seed accelerator is four weeks, four grand, and the um, the the big Kahuna um, accelerator is is for longer for twelve thousand. This is all U.S. dollars, I am assuming. Yeah. Well, yeah, the U.S. is Bahamian dollars is is on par with the U.S. dollars. So yeah, it's, it's actually dollars. everything. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. So they've they've opened application and they're on their going and they're, they're going. For me, here's the thing that 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 um that interests me. So a few years ago, um, World Bank. Um, it's not IDB, World Bank and the, the other one, um, can't remember the name of the other development organization, went around the Caribbean giving loans to different- European Union? Was that? Was it European Union? No, it was the European Union. So it's something like IDBs, um, but it's, it's like, it, it's one of the offshoots of, of World Bank, but I cannot remember. Okay. No. Mm -hmm. And so went around to different Caribbean countries, giving them loans to open up what in, in, in essence were startup hubs. And so in some cases, they paired with already in place local um, community leaders, you know, in Barbados, Trinidad, here in Jamaica. Um, we, we worked with them here to do a couple of events and, and some interventions as well. So at one point there across the region, maybe around, I would say seven years ago, or two, six years, or six, seven years ago, um, at its peak, we had around 15 startup hubs across the region, 15. Then um, that was the peak. Then pretty much the money ran out and it was up to, um, or, or in some cases, the government shifted the money to other um, more expeditious um, political things. 
And <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. And so, you know, I'm not going to hold punches on that one. But, um, and so the, the, at one point we had 15 startup um, innovation hubs across the region. Then time, the funding ran out. Um, some, some companies, you know, or, or entities didn't have follow-on funding or of, of course it, the, the, the program was stopped by government or whatever it is. And then there's just been this period of, um, of quiet. And so what happened was that there's a, you know, people almost like went into their corners and started forming um, new micro groups. So outside of Silicon Creek was still there um, in Jamaica, Slash Roots is still there in Jamaica. Um, the new base on the block is Tech Beach Retreat came out, I think like four years ago or five years ago. You know, 10 Habitat, Selwyn, they've been around for 12 years. Silicon Creek has been around for 15. So, and then, you know, there are other like Dominica had issues because they had a, um, they had a hurricane so there's a period of there was a period of quiet for most for most for a lot, lot of years across the region but recently we're seeing again the almost like resurgence of startup accelerators and um and innovation hubs we have accelerators that are born from corporate entities um you know jmmb has their own startup accelerator in jamaica here um we have RevUp Caribbean, which is comes as a as a sort of an arm out of the First Angels group, um, led by Sandra Glasgow. Um, you know, of course, there are others that are you know coming up in Trinidad. Um, you know what I mean? And now we have um, this innovation hub, startup accelerator, Auto Bahamas. So it's interesting, and then I, and I think the one in Aruba did of course do do its um pandemic pause and are not you know basically coming back again so it's interesting to see the innovation hubs coming up differently they're primarily so far um i would say eight out of ten mostly private money led um like you know crypto is led by two winners has done very well in crypto let's just call a spade a spade right um Cano pays you know that company is doing phenomenally well they just moved um um they're, they're doing some interesting things in the region and about to do some things as well draper house is owned by freaking billionaire um so it's it's going to be interesting that the shift seems to be happening from government-led um initiatives paired with you know the entrepreneurs that are that are underground already to primarily entrepreneur-led initiatives frankly I love that <laughs> because I believe as a, as an ecosystem builder um, myself for the past 15 years, I just believe that entrepreneurship initiatives um, of any kind should be led by entrepreneurs. What do you say? Agreed. I think that also what it points to is that um, government led initiatives are a bit force fed. Um, and the the motivations behind it mm. uh, are not necessarily always aligned with what needs to happen for the industry right. to grow. Right. And so I do believe innovation that, hubs can't be linked to political cycles, election cycles. Let's just yeah, we can't have that. <laughs> well, well, well. If you want them to die, of course you link them to that. But uh, I mean, and, yes. and that just that's just being honest honest and truthful about it because really? um governments and and political parties have their agendas or you know even though it's maybe the same government you know ministers change this one change this one has their agenda and motivations mm -hmm. and what what have you so that not is not necessary and so you know it, it 
I think that the evolution that you've just described really is what we require. But, you know, it is also, we also need to determine how we get the other players into the ecosystem. Because I think that we, you know, largely look at, okay, how do we get VC money or how do we get funding? Or, you know, how do we build the ecosystem? And then if you look on the banking side, which is the traditional debt side, you realize that nothing has really changed in traditional debt. This is in, in other ecosystems, you realize that, okay, well, you have Silicon Valley Bank, you have a bunch of others who, you know, start doing some kind of debt, you know, mm-hmm. initiatives that would help entrepreneurs, even though you can't necessarily get all the funding out of VC, you know, you have other instruments that you can use. So I do think that, you know, where that is concerned, it would be interesting to see how the other areas of the ecosystem, because some of the areas of the ecosystem are still risk averse. And so I think that what you're talking about means that a lot of these people who are successful have to start pouring their money back in. And then they kind of uh, use their leverage and their power to really say, okay, banks or okay, other ecosystem players, this is how we're going to run this to make it successful mm-hmm. um, and have to use their leverage in terms of creating uh, change in the ecosystem. So I do believe that that can happen, but they're going to have to step up big time in terms of using their leverage. Yeah. And, and again, we have, to, we, we have to be mindful too that we're not to expect miracles because ecosystems take time. And while we have you know, made a lot of mistakes and learned a lot, and we can use different things to probably accelerate certain things, there's still no, um, you know, shortcut to building an ecosystem and, um, and, and, and finding, facilitating and funding startups to success. Because we know that around 90% of, of startups do fail anyway. Um, and so it has to be a case where we, we has to be patient, smart, aligned um you know kind strategic. of strategic money that comes to entrepreneurs so entrepreneurs at least um, will have some homegrown region region grown um you know facilitation and funding and um and, and other communities to choose from so i'm what i'm hoping to see honestly is that you know some Jamaicans think like they can go to bah- Bahamas and Bahamas can come to Jamaica and so there's a little bit more intermingling you know Bayesians right. can come to go to, to to Guadeloupe and there's just more collaboration within the region at this stage um, of you know the region's development overall but also because each nation is at a different level um, of, of development so so yeah so that's kind of where we are so that's so you know kudos to um the you know everybody at um at at canoe at crypto isle at canoe um innovation hub and um let's see what you guys pump out um over the next few years as we talk about money finding and facilitating and funding we speak you got this um you 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 pick this big pick this up because you're in a certain zone with your prop tech startup and you picked up this story so you run a lead on this so what we're seeing is that in Q3, uh, VC funding was down by 52% year over year mm-hmm. and 33% quarter over quarter. Mm-hmm. And with venture capital funding declining rapidly during the third quarter, uh, down, you know, down 52%. Yeah. So it does, um, it to me, it does sound certain signals. Mm-hmm. Um, if I even listen to what, um, you know, following Jamie Dimon yesterday and what he said, um, he's thinking. Who is he? Who is that? 
Jamie Diamond is the CEO of uh, JP, JP Morgan Chase. Ah, okay. And so he's talking about, you know, uh, recession is on the way within the next mm -hmm. six to nine months. I saw a story while I was prepping to come on about Intel going to lay off thousands of workers. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, it, we're all in this cycle of either in a, in a recession or a recession. very close to, mm -hmm. to a recession. Um, and, you know, startups are going to feel the heat in terms of, you know, how do I survive to fight another day? Mm -hmm. um, uh, because the funding in certain sectors, especially at later stage, you know, we, we don't have as much people going public. So some of those companies that would normally go public mm -hmm. are also sucking the money away from other companies who would get funding at this stage because mm -hmm. some of them can't go public because, hey, the market isn't right for them to go public. So they're <laughs> staying private longer. And so it's just a, a, a world win in terms of, un because once they go public, at least, you know, VCs get back their money, you know, people start feeling a bit freer and looser, so they may invest uh, into other things. Once they stay in private, then they need money to because, you know, a lot of them are either not necessarily cash flow positive as yet or don't have enough money in their system. Mm -hmm. So I do think that it does, you know, for the whole ecosystem all around, these numbers um, point to people figuring out how do I figuring out how do I live to fight another day? Yeah. Uh, and the, the numbers, you know, if Q4 numbers come back uh, with these dismal numbers, it also would point to some type of recession, you know, in terms of, <laughs> especially for funding, so. And we're talking about American recession primarily here, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but it seems as if as, as, as the, 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 the thing said, the story said is that, Seed stage funding seems to be safe because people are still pouring money um, into you know seed stage startups because they still want to um, you know plant some seeds and see where things go. But as you said, in the early to late stage, that's where money has really kind of fallen off a cliff. And I think it, what it says to me is that um, VCs are saying, you know what, prove to us that this is a viable entity this is a viable business without um the overbloat of staff without the you know us burning through as much money as you'd like to because you know a lot of these um venture fund startups um venture funded businesses they some especially in certain sectors they take on money so they can move as fast as possible and get as many people as possible to get to the prize which is to you know which is high growth high valuation to go IPO and get back their money. So it's like, so this is where, as I say, the real entrepreneurs are born in markets like these, where you said, all right, cool. You may have to bite the, you know, bite the bullet, um, you know, pop a, the red pill um, and see what you can do differently over the next couple of months. So, yeah, so as I said, survival of the fittest <laughs> over, the next, um, over the next year for sure. Yeah, and that leads us to our third um, item, which is, Talk about survival of the fittest. There's still innovation happening um, across the world because, as we know, some of the biggest tech names, the tech brands, you know, the Microsoft, the Airbnbs, were all born in recessions. 
And so those who have that eye, who have that drive, who have the, you know, the resources, the ability to connect the dots and to connect people are still innovating. And so out in Trinidad and Tobago, Z Labs, which is led, led by Mark Pereira, it's a software development agency specializing in blockchain and mobile solutions. They say that they're going to their early adopter community and fans for some funding so that they can actually grow. So they pretty much positioned, um, you know, the, their mobile money solution called WAM, um, positioned for, as they say, underbanked emerging markets, right? So WAM allows you to, you know, it makes it easier for you to send and receive money, make payments, and as a business, take payments using a QR code. So, and they're also going after the social commerce market. So that's actually, you know, in their WhatsApp group yesterday when I heard, saw the announcement. So they're gonna have like a live um, town hall in person and, and um, on town hall this week to say, hey, this is what we wanna do. Here's how you can become part of the opportunity um, to you know, move wham, you know, this digital wallet, um, this digital money solution um, to the next level. What are your thoughts? That's, those are your people in your country, sir. I'm I'm happy that those guys are finding ways and finding means to be able to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the again, you know, just go back to the ecosystem story. I think we were talking about before. It, it's 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 difficult and it's tough. I would want to understand basically, and and I guess you know when they release the details of how they're going about getting the funding or you know how they plan to tap into because it seems like um, you know crowdfunding of some sort mm -hmm. um and I'd, I'd like to understand what are the rules around crowdfunding especially in the region uh for things like this so for me there was you know the devil is in the details of how they plan to execute on this so yeah. do, do, you have any, do you have any ideas as to how because we have certain parameters here in here in Jamaica about um, accredited investors you have to have like a net worth of 50 million Jamaican dollars or you have had to like like $10 million in cash or something like that, um, that is required by the Financial Services Commission, the FSC here. Do you know of any such you know, limits or, or um, parameters for in Trinidad in terms of like individual investors? I, I'm not up to speed on that. Okay, on well, that okay. part of the equation, but we can, we can certainly go do the research. And yeah, we're, go, we're, gonna, we're gonna see what, he has, what Mark um, and his other um, team, and his team have to say this week, because I'm definitely gonna attend the lives and see what it is that they're up to. Yeah, but that's some, that's some fantastic stuff though. I, I would love to see how it, it takes off and how it evolves. And hopefully they are able to get the funding from their community because I believe they will. I believe they I believe they will. Because I mean Mark, Mark um and some other people again are were new to um were new and and you know somewhat successful um in crypto and NFTs, you know, people like um Illumina 333, <laughs> my boy who owns the largest crypto Caribbean company, Caribbean community um called Crypto Caribbean um big up and he, and he has a podcast that is um of the same name as well so i think they'll get it done um so it'll be interesting to watch them in terms of how they actually do it yeah so, so yeah and talking about mobile money and 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 apps and you know digital payments and stuff like that we're going to our fourth store which is um about um and here's <laughs> bahamian digital digital payments company island play Decides they're going to fly over to Barbados to fish for fresh customers. You see what I did there? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought I was being cute. Well, I, mean, I, 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 I read it on, on Silicon Caribbean. I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Ingrid, you're trying to get between the Bajans and the Trinidadians <laughs> over the flying fish. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, Listen, I Barbados is known for flying fish, just like how Jamaica is known for jerk, jerk. So what? I just had to put it in there. But anyway, the re the story is that Island Pay um, has, you know, again, it's, 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 you know, Bahamas seem to be doing some interesting. It's a Bahamian company. They've done well. They've, they've um, onboarded around 13% of the Bahamian population. They have around over 55,000 people using um, their digital payment system in Bahamas. So they say, you know, it's time to expand. Yes, we're going over to, ah, BIM. We're going over mm -hmm. to Auntie Mia's um space to see if we can replicate this so they've gone over they've launched they've put up their first um access kiosk and so they're hoping to do um to replicate their success that they've had in bahamas of course over in Barbados. do you think they can do so danielle i think that the uh what we, we just had what, what did we just have coming out to Barbados this week uh fintech islands yes um yeah fintech islands was last week so and, yeah, so, and, yep. and, and so you know Barbados is positioning themselves to be the fintech one of the fintech players. So I do think for them it's a brilliant move. I mean because you, you wouldn't. I mean it is a market that for the regulation they have the sandbox. They have a lot of things in Barbados. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a brilliant play for them. Um, the question is how much competition are they going to face? Um, but you know, I think that they are right, they're thinking very strategically about it, and they mm -hmm. do have an opportunity to you know expand their base. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it had me thinking about um digital wallets and digital money solutions and where exactly things are within the Caribbean. So I did just a quick you know check. Um, I should have actually put this in the in the thing there in, in the um article, but I'll probably do something at this separate. Right now, right. I think I, I counted around 10 digital wallet mobile money apps in the Caribbean. We have like Link, um, out of, you know, out of Jamaica, MyCash, which is uh, from Digicel and, um, and oh God, Paymaster. And um, Haiti has Moncash, which is basically the, the, the French version of MyCash. Yeah. Is there. Barbados has M-Money, which is, was done by Bit. Right. Um, of course, there's WePay out of Jamaica, Trinidad, et cetera. Then there's Squeeze Cash. And Penny Pinch, which is recent one out of St. Lucia. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, Wham, which we just, we just spoke about out of Trinidad. And then there's Jad Cash out of St. Kitts. And yeah, and so it seems to be an interesting, that's why I, that's why I keep saying, you know, FinTech and all the various subsectors of FinTech, that includes like digital um, payments and stuff, is going to figure very, very strongly over the next couple of years in the Caribbean region. So that's why you're going to see a lot of interesting um, global eyes and global brands coming into the region, the visas and the MasterCards and, and you know, others that come into sort of a try and see how much they can scrape up or, or um, take up in the region in these spaces. So interesting times ahead for sure. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, when, when we start talking about, you know, digital inclusion or, or financial mm. inclusion and all of those who are the unbanked and the underbanked and all these terminologies that we have for them, um, yes. And we know that, especially in the Caribbean, you know, we have a large unbanked population. Sure. And uh, underbanked as well. Yeah. And underbanked as well. Yeah. Um, it does provide opportunities. But mm. I would say the caveat that I have is 
you know, how many of these solutions can survive? Um, I know the Penny Pinch guys because uh, we were in the same accelerator program together and I saw they were even in fin FinTech Islands. Mm -hmm. So I know some of these guys, the VP guys, you know. So the question I have in my mind is like, okay, how, how, can, how can we ensure that all of these are differentiating enough? And then as a consumer, um, I'm even thinking saturation point. How many of these things do I want to see? Or, you know, everybody may have their own preferences. But then the question really is, how can, and also you do have Digicel with their own, you know, who is the only regional player, I think. Um, we pay maybe like second because they have, you know, a large footprint in terms of Jamaica, Trinidad, et cetera. Yeah. Um, how many of these will either be very niche or how many of them would actually blow up? The niche may, may survive, but the question is, you know, for those who are already competing, you know, you counted eight. Um, I'm sure there are maybe more than that. The yeah. question is, how do some of them survive and actually we'll see. make money? The market, the market decides always. I, I think what has what has happened initially is what what I'm seeing here is a couple of things. There are definitely the um, the disruptors, the startups who saw the that there was you know something would need to happen, um, and decided they're going to go ahead. They had the resources in terms of the developers and the money and the time to get certain things done. So the canoe pays, um, you know the the um, Z Labs, you know, squeeze cash. They're all from entrepreneurs, scrappy entrepreneurs, you know, disruptors say, you know, I'm just gonna come into this space because these, these legacy banks taking too long. And then you have the legacy banks that say, whoa, 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 whoa. We've got to come in this as well, like Link, because Link is, Link app is a, is a subset of NCB, which is the largest um, um, bank, banking, um, bank in in jamaica, jamaica. Mm -hmm. and then they just announced link just announced a couple of days ago that say yeah you think you think you think we're done with just a call meaning that the clincher for them and it's going to be interesting to see is that they're likely to go straight into the remittance market and so they're they as a link app um as a digital wallet an app that has that ability which is you know there is going to be interesting to see how they compete with Grace Kennedy Financial Services, because by virtue of, um, what you call it now, outlets, um, spots to get, you Grace Kennedy is the dominant player in the Jamaican market. But that's those are physical locations. Physical. Mm -hmm. So Link App come with something with your phone now, and if they go ahead and become aggressive and now get into that digital remittances uh, market, it's gonna be really interesting to watch um, that happens. And in there too, I was reading the other day about crypto remittances uh -huh. and how that that trend is 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 um is ramping up very quickly. One because it's faster. Two, you don't have to leave your yard, jump on a jump in a, in a bus or Uber to go to a physical location. It's on your phone, and of course, it's faster and it is cheaper. So crypto remittances are taking um on a trend up but not yet, it seems, in the region. So right. there's very interesting things to see what will come up with all these um, digital wallets um, and how they seek to compete um, within their own you know, national space, within the regional space, and, um, and how they, they seek to, to, to differentiate themselves. But I mean, I love when there's competition, right? It's like Uber and Indrive and the rest of them, because the customer will win. <laughs> I <laughs> I, I hear you, and, and, and I 100% and I agree. I think that also, um, 
we also need to see if there, there's any increased regulation on on with all of these things coming into Heard. the markets. Absolutely, absolutely. But as we all know, it is something that is global. It's no different here in the region that um, innovation always outpaces legislation. Yep. And so I always like to, you know, hope that there'll be light touch legislation that will continue to allow um, innovation to, 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 to grow because Jano, the region needs it. So load a thing, make but, it but, but fly. You, you have to you have to take account of the very high uh, heavy-handed approach in terms of regulation sometimes and it's because they don't understand correct what is so they they overcorrect rather than yeah. being a light touch so Absolutely. i think i think that you need to to bring some of them so that you can school them you no, know, you know they can listen and listen us listen to us here, and um, and they can watch what what the successful entrepreneurs do, and just be open because can you imagine if if the governments um, on the African continent was heavy handed with legislation when it when it came to Mpesa, then you know they would not have, they would not have leap, leapfrog in terms of um, ability to allow their citizens to participate in mobile money so they can get their salaries um you know pay for you know a cab or pay for food and so there have been light years parts of africa are light years ahead of america ahead of um, the caribbean so light touch legislation to the people who are in charge of that light touch our friends light touch anyway speaking about light touch legislation <laughs> and um well, not so light touch. So in Jamaica, they are, they are on a day or so ago, the broadcasting commission say, you know what, enough of this chopper music. Enough of this stuff, we're done. So the broadcasting commission said that they're banning, let me read it because <laughs> it, is, it was fascinating. So of course, all the entertainers are pissed off that the broadcasting um, commission has said that pretty much they're banning the transmission of any recorded material that promotes and or glorifies illegal activity. They're specifically going after this new genre of uh, dancehall called chopper music. And of course, if y'all don't know what chopper is, it's unfortunately, it's the scammers. The scammers who call your phone and say that you win money and there's no such thing. And um, there are other and other kind of uh, scams that are out there. So they and so the scammers and um, and the other people who are doing some illegal stuff, they have their own sound and their own subgenre of dancehall, which really kind of was you know blew up all over the place. And when I say all over the place, it leads to my point. All over the place um, on radio, in some instances, but primarily in um, in, in at parties. And of course, we're, you know, not we, they are consuming it online. So the entertainers are pissed off at the broadcast commission and say, are oh, you reaching at this? This is called censorship. And so for me, how I see it is that it's going to be interesting that the broadcasting commission in Jamaica are telling Jamaican radio, TV, what they call broadcasters, that's a broad brush, that they need to ban or stop playing the same music, this music immediately. But as I always say, digital culture, there are like over almost 2 million Jamaicans who are online. YouTube 
is one of the top three apps that um, Jamaicans consume. And that's where they get a lot of um, their, their, their news and their music. Of course, there's um, Spotify and other ways, but it's primarily through YouTube. How are you going to, your, that's your, your broadcasting commission, which is based in Jamaica on Jamaican law, cannot transfer to YouTube and other ways of transmission. So it's gonna be interesting to see how this ban is executed, but more or less interpreted. What's, 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 your, what's your case? What's, what's your um, thoughts about this? Digital culture clash and the chopper, chopper music with their, um, no, it's not creativity, but go ahead. So, so remember on the weekend, there was an article that I sent you where, when we were going back and forth of PayPal's ban. Um, oh, mm. and I, I see it. I well, see it very let's, similar. Let's, well, talk talk about the PayPal ban. So, ban so, so PayPal decided to ban certain um, entities who would use their services if they were promoting misinformation. Mm -hmm. um, and so there were a lot of people who were offended by that. Um, again, my opinion. But, but, but what I said was they could take two thousand five hundred US dollars yes, out of your they account could take if money you're out so of your account. promoting. Right. Yeah. Um, crypto be promoting misinformation. Right. Um, and and while while some people find it draconian, I know you were like, you know, I I, I don't understand this. Uh, for me, my position is that here's what is their platform. So yeah. therefore, they have all right to protect their platform mm. and and i think that you know what i what i find though is that we have gotten to a state in the world where uh, misinformation has become so powerful for the course yeah that you know we tend to oh well it's just another day and and mm -hmm. and for me you know even in that that conversation well if i'm linking it back to what is going on in jamaica and the music mm -hmm. and stuff it's like here's what um you know why people may have an issue with it, depending on who you are in your stage of life. You may be a single free person and you it'll really impact you. But you know what? It have kids who may listen to that and it may have an impact upon them. Yeah. So the question is, you know, if I go back to economic theory about what is for the greater good, it's some, some of these decisions are taken about the greater good. Um, while not defending, you know, people's ability to have freedom of speech, um, I do think that, you know, some people go overboard in terms of what their freedom of speech is or, you know, thinking that they aren't accountable to others around what they say. And mm -hmm. so I think some of this is just, you know, kind of reining in some of the the, the excessiveness that has happened within our society sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think that, you know, the, the powers that be have to find a, a the middle ground between okay what is okay for for public consumption but okay how do we still protect people so i mean it it could go either way but i do think that there there is a, a responsibility to make sure that we protect the public in some of these instances yeah i get so it's a very tricky thing um you know because their their argument is that it's it's, it's getting too much into the high schools, um, it's affecting um, kids, um, you know, it is promoting violence and that kind of thing. And, you know, we, we, could, we could debate this until the cows come home. 
mm-hmm. uh, in terms of influence. I mean, some people could say that, you know, Bob Marley music, you know, I shot the sheriff, but I didn't shoot the deputy, it could also be promoting violence and stuff like that. That's if you take it literally. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, but it was it's just interesting. For me, I think the angle is, fine, you want to achieve a particular thing and you believe that this is um, within your power to execute. So, and of course there'll be, um, you know, financial and other consequences for radio, TV and other broadcasters um, if they, you know, break this, this ban. But for me is that you break it in mainstream media, but it's just gonna blow up, um, you know, thanks to digital culture online. And that's, you know, is where you don't have, um, you don't regulation regulation but the thing is can they go ahead and say you know what youtube facebook you have your own um you know criteria for how people need to operate on your platforms can you partner with us so it's going to be interesting to see um mainstream media versus digital culture within this whole realm and with you know the freedom of speech and creativity smashed in 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 the middle so let's my question though my question though and I, I agree with you, I think, uh, uh, from that point of view. But I, it's, I mean, what I've found around Caribbean culture and even how we regulate the internet, et cetera, is that a lot of times we don't even take that extra step. So I, I, don't, I don't foresee them taking that extra step to say, hey, uh, YouTube or hey, you know, any of these streaming platforms, yes, we want to ensure that Spotify or whoever is saying, hey, we want to ensure that this music doesn't, you know, I, I mean, I hardly suspect. So even if you drop it on a SoundCloud or you drop it in Spotify or any of these other players, I do think that, you know, you have a, an opportunity if, if it's that important to you to find a way around the system. Um, because I don't think that your regulators are going to go that far into because you can't regulate what people have on their phones. I mean, it's exactly WhatsApp it, uh, yeah, exactly. That has so, happened many times for other, un, you know, ungodly things, but yeah, so it's going to be again digital culture against the mainstream media and parameters of this particular oh. law, you know, with, with creativity and freedom of speech smashed in the middle of, of this sandwich. So um, we're going to be looking at what happens over the next, um, you know, over the next couple of weeks. We know there's going to be some backlash. The entertain, entertainment community has already come out and is like, what that? So, yeah, so we're going to see. <laughs> we're going to see what happens there. Anyway, we're taking our sights to foreign, to big foreign, as we, as, um, we call it, to the United States, but and somewhat come back. So the last episode, we, we said that Elon Musk was had applied to get um, a license to, to operate his um, broadband internet company, Starlink here in Jamaica, he got it. So he now has the green light to become, in a sense, Jamaica's third satellite broadband internet company, because there are two others that are homegrown that came before him. We have ReadyNet, which is owned by Chris Daring, um, former Cable Wireless chair, and CMO, and then we have Neptune Communications, which is owned by Guy um, Bennett Easy, and also I think a Bayesian, I can't remember his name right now. So he's now the third satellite broadband company to operate in Jamaica. So good luck, and let's see what happens on the ground in terms of commission, in terms of competition. Uh, again, I'm a woman who likes for um, businesses to duke it out over the consumer. So yes. So, so Musk on my yard. 
So must come my yard. And of course, there are, joke, there are jokes on Twitter saying, <laughs> no, I'm not coming to Jamaica to go Lego no satellite. I'm coming for some high grade, right? So, <laughs> so <laughs> and I was like, oh, boy. whatever. <laughs> so let's see from a business standpoint, can he hack it um, with the local big boys? Um, in the satellite broadband space, so I think that consumer uh, how much how it. much money he's willing to put to to make sure that he becomes you know dominant dominant in the industry if, if he really wants to because this is his first um, foray into the Caribbean with Starlink. Yeah. And as, as we always said, um, pretty much you've said that we, the, the, these global brands tend to come to Jamaica first because we're the largest English speaking um, Caribbean country and tend to be ahead of um, a couple of others as well. So yeah, I guess time will tell again to see what exactly- And it follows the digital strategy, so. Yeah, that's the digital strategy. Jamaica first and then kill it and then uh, move to the rest of the region. So yeah, anyway. Um, on to our penultimate story. Um, 50, so this is a, something that I was thinking about because it was just about crypto as my crypto is on my mind. You know, the market right. is, the market is, yeah, the market is full of opportunity right now. Let's just put it that way. The numbers are interesting. Hmm? Right. But so I'll say, so I was reading upon crypto news as usual, and I found out that there are a couple of American brands that now accept crypto payments because I, so I don't think people understand what's happening right now even though the, the price points um for like the dominant ones bitcoin and ether are below the, the you know way below some of the highs that has happened over the last 18 months of course this presents a fantastic opportunity to onboard a lot of institutions because they every day we're seeing new updates you know google is partnering with coinbase which is the largest um you know crypto exchange to people can use crypto to pay for their cloud services. So the adoption, especially on the, on the, on the big brand institutional level is happening like crazy. So, but I went, I went and looked and realized that there are brands that we know about that we've seen across the region, your Burger Kings, your, <clears throat> your fast food joints, right? That have now started to accept um, crypto for payment. So I wrote this, I said, how many of them? So I realized there were 15 American brands that do business in the Caribbean that now accept crypto payments in the US market. But when I looked at what was happening in the region in terms of Caribbean crypto ownership and usage, it's still around one to 2% in terms of adoption. And of course, legislation is like back here, but the 15 crypto friendly and crypto transacting American brands that are now operate that are operate that are operating in um, in the Caribbean, right. Burger King, KFC, Subway, um, consumer packaged goods, Coca Cola, Tech, Microsoft, Twitch, um, you know other companies that Caribbean people use regularly, Amazon, ExpressVN, Expedia. and so I think the only I think the question the reason why I did this is because I wanted to ask the question is. The fact that they, they're these global, these American brands that are now accepting crypto payments in their crypto payments in their home country, will that accelerate um, that culture, the crypto culture, help to accelerate the crypto culture here in the region? And especially when it comes to things like tourism, mm -hmm. um, which is a big slice of, of how we make our money in, in the region, um, how can that influence what is happening here in the region? So I just kind of wrote a short piece 
um, for siliconcareeb.com around that. You have anything to say? Because I know you're not really into the crypto thing, my youth. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't know. You're not into the crypto thing, yes, you know, but go on, go on. Uh, 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 boy, you, you, you like to beat me up a bit on this. But um, no, I think, again, you know, it's about the regulation and what happens in the region. I think that, again, you know, you see a bunch of um, this happening. And I don't know how much even, what what has your research discovered in terms of usage even in the U.S. in terms of some of these things? Because I've never gone. The U.S., the, the, crypto, the crypto usage in the States right now is 13% of the population, almost 50 okay. million, after, almost 50 million people either own right. or use crypto um, in that market. Well, I've. Well, the usage part, you know, in terms of what I'm thinking about, you know, as relates to your story, I don't know how many people use it on a day-to-day -day or do transactions mm -hmm. via it. So, um, because when I even rule about, it's like mainstream, okay, your card, this, that, the other. So, um, again, I do think that this is a window and an opportunity, but, you know, even, even from a standpoint of leapfrogging, I think, though, that it can put present the opportunity in the region to even leapfrog. But, you know, that's the question around leadership and what kind of leadership we have mm -hmm. to make sure that people are thinking of how do I enable the population? And also the leadership also comes with a heavy responsibility of education. So I do think that, again, it's about how we educate people, how we get people to start adopting mm -hmm. and then leapfrogging, you know, what portends in other markets. So it can give the Caribbean that opportunity, but, you know, it's who wants to take the lead and who is taking the lead to ensure that that happens. Well, I think my, my theory is that I think remittances and mm -hmm. tourism will lead the way in terms of um, helping the Caribbean to adopt um, crypto, crypto payments, crypto, you know, increase the crypto friendliness. Um, right. And the thirdly would be just simply the opportunity to make money, um, especially from the creatives who are in the Web3, um, you know, AR, um, you know, NFT, you know, space. So that's so that that's that's my prediction that tourism remittances and the ability to earn creators ability to earn and um from a global market and have that money come to them quickly and cheaply will probably be the three things that will help to drive um the caribbean crypto culture um and, and i think as you said you know um creatives i think that they may have the largest opportunity to be able to lead in the space yeah, yeah, because yeah. again you know a lot of our region is really focused on that um creative side mm -hmm. and so being able to get those people onto this and you know taking that that risk i would say in being able to okay i don't want to be paid by a check or whatever i want to be paid by crypto, by crypto yeah. are, this is my wallet you know these are the details you know send me my, my my money by crypto um and i think that you know and then having them speak because remember a lot of how i would say that caribbean is one of those perfect places around even influencer culture because hey if yes. xyz doing it then yeah. you know it's easy to filter and and even when you start looking at the region is still focused a lot on even Facebook when 
internationally it's uh, facebook uh, slash ig then internationally it's like really more tiktok etc and i think that we kind of veering towards that but when you look at it it's a lot of influencer culture that is in yeah. our region and i think that those are the people who can help facilitate these trends and really help them to be amplified yeah and that leads perfectly into, into our final story today <laughs> today you picked it up um so you run with it sir run so joel nom what's up yeah. joel <laughs> So he wrote an article saying um, three ways uh, social media platform can amplify Caribbean voices. Mm. And so, you know, I, I picked it up and I was like, this is an interesting piece because ultimately um, this is something that anybody who has been in the space of being a creator in the Caribbean mm. um, feels the, the pain. I know we've had the conversations of, okay, how do I do stuff and then get paid? Yeah. So he was saying that regions in the Caribbean region face challenges in terms of gaining access to monetization tools and features. Um, we know a few years ago, I think what uh, YouTube opened up. We we uh, when Spotify opened up in the region, you and I covered that you know multiple yeah. times. You know yeah. when they first did their pilot and then they expanded. And so he went. He goes on to say, you know, the Caribbean population has 43 million people, and the Caribbean continues to be shaped by historical experience in a religion, festivals, fashions, um, which play a role in marketing and bringing the right audience. But then he asks the question: um, Why does the region continue to be on the periphery of global social media community in terms of product offerings and resources? Mm. And you know when you know if, if you look at it it's like we're always lumped with latin america so oh if it don't get me started yes mm -hmm. <laughs> no latin america idb y'all who like to lump us latin american and caribbean when they when they put all the quotes and the data it's all latin america zero caribbean wanna stop it go ahead daniel i had to get that I, up for me mm -hmm. i i, I I have I have sat when where you sat and I live in Miami. So let, 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 you, you, you know I live in Latin America. Yes. But um <laughs> the three but, five is Latina. Hey, no hateful yeah. Latinos. I'm just saying we're different from the Caribbean. And y'all know no, I, 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 we, I, we all love planting, but listen, no. We're not the same. We are not the same. But go ahead, sir. Sorry for interrupting you. Mm -hmm. It's fine. I think that ultimately, you know, the question that, that Joel has asked, you know, it's really poignant in terms of, and I think that Spotify has been one of those who've taken the lead, you know, in, in terms of even with what we have covered. But the question is, how do we get, because our, when you start looking at even YouTube, how much Caribbean influencers, um, for me, I had my own fashion brand and I know how influential fashion is for the region in terms of what the opportunities and the possibilities are in terms of what people see and even how it bleeds into diaspora audiences who, you know, while we 43 million in the Caribbean, some numbers say that the diaspora audiences are larger than that because, of you know, course. it's like, you know, the first generation and the second generation. So I do think that there are opportunities, but the question is, you know, do these and it's I, and I don't think that even it's even that hard for some of these organizations to really just open up the monetizational tools for the region. The question is just you know currencies and all that kind of stuff, you know, and that may be where crypto comes into. And I think that that may be how crypto really 
is amplified and transferred. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I do think that the, the questions that Joel have asked here, and you know, the question, I think one of the things is how do our regional leaders push? Because when you start looking at what inflation numbers are, what remittances mm -hmm. are, what you know, our GDP is, and all these economic numbers, and you realize to the region, uh, Barbados just went to the IMF for money, um, you know, just take a lot of money to, to be able to, and then we're looking at all these things around climate change, et cetera. We as a region have to have leaders who start asking these companies, hey, are people look at your stuff or people are domiciled here or whatever the question may be. We want to understand how we can generate revenue off of these things. The Facebooks of this world, Caribbean creators, the IGs of this world, TikTok, all of these. Well, we people, I, I don't know anybody who's making money off Caribbean people who are making money off TikTok directly, but I definitely know a lot of YouTube people who are making some yeah. money. Mm -hmm. and, and there are people who are making money off IG in terms of if they have a strong community, they're able to get right. um, Caribbean brand deals. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. In terms of international brand deals, there is a, there is a dearth of, of, of that. Um, so, but yeah. I, I, I get that he, I'm glad that he asked these questions um, because we have a lot to offer the world. And I think, you know what it is? I think, um, again, they see the Caribbean as small for the you know, total population of 44 million, but they don't look at the Caribbean. Um, they need to look at the Caribbean differently. As you said, huge, 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 huge um, diaspora um, population and what that diaspora does the value of that diaspora to any industry, whether it is remittances, groceries, food, travel, whatever it is, that they need to look at the Caribbean and um, differently. But I'm really, I think what he's really focused on is Caribbean voices in terms of Caribbean creators and opening up additional, um, why aren't, say for instance, you know, maybe agencies that are based in the States or Europe looking for Caribbean influencers to pay them money just as how they pay their European or, or American? Is it that those, those, um, those creators need to become bigger? Um, do they, those creators need, need some PR so that they become more known? Do those PR, do, do those creators become more, um, you know, have more initiative in terms of going to seek out um, collaborations with additional other creators who are in spaces as well. So there are, there are more than different, <coughs> pardon me, there are more ways to look at it. When you talk about leaders, I hope you're not talking about political leaders. I really hope you're speaking. No, about... no, no. I, I think okay. that. I, 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 hope, I hope you're talking about no. business leaders. <laughs> no, bus no, business and creative leaders also, because yes. the last question I think that he asked, you know, where yeah. does the region fit in terms of conversations around DEI, diversity, inclusion, and equity um, initiatives uh, for Caribbean marketers and creators. Yeah. And I think that, you know, for me, I have been, you know, a champion of the DEI conversation because I think that it's one of those things that we, we absolutely need to be in on and be really focused on how we stand out. and, and real, for real. That you know our voices are heard uh, so it's one of those things that i think that we we have to to figure out where we fit in the space mm -hmm. um but but more more than anything you know in terms of the leadership i do think that for our region our leaders are you know beanie and marshall and, and more of them than your political leaders 
um, because they have, you know, Bob has transformed the world, you know, he's dead how many years, and yet still, you know, everybody know who Bob Marley is. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, I think that those are the leaders who can, I don't know that they sometimes understand their power to be able to transform. You mean, you I, mean our, our, our cultural leaders or creator, our creators that are globally resonate globally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And, and so even that, you know, we, we joke, I guess, you know, we talk about the UC in effect and, and you know, what he can yeah, do and, even you in know, startup yeah, culture. Lately, um, you know, um, Shelly and Fraser Price, right. uh, who I really hope wins the woman of the year for the world athletes thing, vote Shelly Ann. Um, I'm very biased about Shelly and Fraser Price. Thank you. Go ahead. Uh, 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 okay, ma'am. I, I was going to tell hey. you about your friend, your friend, your friend who beat you the other day and, and, and she's like, um, the American girl. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, you know, um, people he's he's talking about Shakari <laughs> Richardson. Um, there's no hate towards Shakari, but she has a few years to go, and I don't know when she's gonna win again. And it was a wet day, it was a rainy day, and Elaine Thompson, our reigning queen, was tired, and she won by a hair. I, that will never happen again. That's like Justin Gatlin saying that he beat Usain Bolt when Usain Bolt was pretty much limping um, down the finger. And it never happened again. So Carrie okay. will never beat Elaine Thompson yeah, but... again. Yeah, so, or, or any other but... Jamaican female athlete for that matter. I know I have to rub it in, hush. We have a sprint factory. I just want to let you all know. So, yeah. yeah. But I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> and, 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 that, and that was hilarious because I did I did poke you the other day and I realized you didn't answer when I saw that one. I was like, and she and the person who, who tweeted it had this big long narrative, and I was just like, okay, let me let me poke Ingrid a little bit. But um, yes. you know, our our cultural ambassadors and leaders yes. in the region have to understand what their power is, and yeah. they have to because you know, from Elaine to um Shelly and to you saying to all of these yeah. athletes when you start looking at their IG or their their, their Twitter following etc you realize that they have a whole heap of people on, uh, who follow yeah. them the question is um, yep. yeah and the question is how do they monetize even for themselves or are they thinking of that or just using they are so, so I think some of them are some um, of them are some of them but, are but the question is you know how do they you know, now start, okay, here, here's what, I have my power, I have my influence. How do I make sure that Ingrid, who in, in secondary school, who looking up to me as oh, an influencer course, and may course, want to be an honest. influencer, you know, yeah. how do I make sure that the pipeline is there? Because Ingrid right. may not necessarily be a sprinter uh, and she may not be, but she, Ingrid wants to earn a living too. So yeah. how do we make sure that we have the pathways open to create those conversations? Yeah. And I do think that that's where their power and influence comes in and how they can use it. Yeah, so I mean, kudos to Joel um, for, you know, sparking this conversation. Um, I'm expecting a like a, a Twitter space from you, Joel. Yeah, I'm calling <laughs> you out, sir. Um, <laughs> and so, so yeah, this, this conversation needs to be had over and over again and um, some solutions found because there are definitely solutions. I mean, it's a big, beautiful, abundant world out there that is now connected by the internet. 
um, there are opportunities for us all, for sure. Yes, yeah, so we're wrapping up now, sir. So just one more thing for me to say is that um, we had mentioned in the last podcast, but now it's on, which is PopMe, which is a Jamaican startup, which is focused on addressing global talent shortage. PopMe stands for Piece of Cake Migration. It's POCMI.com. Their global um, job fair week is in the middle of things right now. It goes on until the 15th. So you can jump on to POCMI.com and have a look and um, participate and hear what is going on in terms of global talent shortages, um, you know, speak you know, in terms of trends, in terms of opportunities um, in the region and around the world. So I hit that. Um, again, you know, do let us know what is happening in your neck of the woods in the region. Um, if you're a Caribbean anywhere in the world, let us know if you're in tech if you're in business, if you're an executive in a, in a tech organization, reach out to us, news at siliconcarib.com. Let us know what is, what is happening in your region. We'd love to share it with um, our growing audience. So yeah, that's it. Um, thank you for this um, listening, watching this episode of This Week in Caribbean Tech from Silicon Carib. If you found something of value, gosh, share it, like it, comment you know, rate us five stars um, for sure. Share with some people, be generous, you know, share with your friends and colleagues. So you can of course watch us um, on Silicon Caribbean TV on YouTube and you can listen to us, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to audio podcasts. Any last words before I wrap up and say bye? Cause my son, no, no. I know. <laughs> <laughs> nah, this was, I, I like this episode. Uh, people say- I do, I like week. this episode, yeah. People were saying last week that they liked last week's episode too. Um, you know, they said it was really informative. Some of those yeah. who popped on my uh, LinkedIn. So um, we have to keep I it going and we're going to definitely keep it going. If you want, to, we're yeah. open to sponsorship. If you want to sponsor us, um, just hit us up news at siliconcrete.com. We'll send you our sponsor deck. Hey. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, thank you for joining us um, for this episode of This Week in Caribbean Tech. See you back here next week, Friday, for another episode. My name is Ingrid Riley, and that one is... I'm Daniel Smith. All right, take it easy and have a great rest of the week and weekend. Bye.